Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. You sound like OJ. That's right. This the yours truly. Hello, podcast world. Yours truly. Uh, but seriously, we do appreciate you tuning in. Go to iTunes, leave us some reviews, uh, let us know what you think of the show. Uh, also, we've got a closed Facebook group that you can be a part of. It's uh, the Big Honker Podcast Group, I think is all that it is. The closed group, Big Honker Podcast Group. But yes. there are two questions to get into this thing. Answer the two questions and you will automatically get in. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, um, And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, those sons of bitches hadn't approved my request, it's probably because you have not answered both questions. We don't look at any of the requests. So, peace and love, peace and love. If you want to get in the group, answer both questions. All right. This podcast is brought to you by the one and only Dive Bomb Industries. Hunt over skinnies. It is the only way to go in 2020 and beyond 2020 and beyond skinnies it's easy to pack up it's easy to store away i know hunting season's over for most of if not all of the country i think a couple people are still going at them but you're gonna have to have a place to store all these decoys and dive bomb makes it easy 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 you get the bags five dozen in each bag you store them away for the year you pick them back up in september when you start thinking about waterfowl hunting again and ready to roll uh, I get this question a lot. Should I get the ones with the flocked heads? Yes, you should. It adds contrast to your spread. Contrast adds visibility, and visibility is the name of the game. So, divebombindustries.com, and you can get all of your decoys done right there at divebombindustries.com. We're also brought to you by Boss Shot Shells, the best shot shells, all American made. Only takes one? It only takes one. It's bismuth, it hits like a freight train. It is. Uh, it hits with bad intentions. And if you're shooting it and your buddy's not, you can definitely tell a big difference. Guys are using 410s, 28 gauges again because they're shooting boss. It's, uh, it's like shooting lead but only legal. Boss Shot Shells on Instagram. It's an old school type of feel, which I really like. Uh, it's a way of life, definitely. But Bismuth is back in style. Go to BossShotShells.com. Get everything that you're going to need. They also have a kick-ass turkey loadout. Turkey season's getting ready to fire up, so you're going to need some of that Boss Tom in your arsenal. Smack them right in the face with it. It's ugly. BossShotShells.com. We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. Pacific Calls. And these are one of our great sponsors that has a promo code for us. You can save 25% by using the promo code BHP25 at checkout. Go to PacificCustomCalls.com. They've got a screamer of a lesser call. They got spec calls. They've got every kind of call that you can imagine. Use a promo code BHP25. You save yourself 25% off of these badass calls from Pacific Calls. I think they were busy at the hunting show. It's on Instagram. They had they had quite quite the line, quite the line at their booth. So uh, they're one of the up and coming call companies out there. Real fun to be a part of them. So check them out. PacificCustomCalls.com. Use the promo code. Uh, we're also brought to you by Lucky Duck. If you're going to shoot ducks in the field, you got to have spinners. And you're going to need blinds. And you're going to need blinds. Best blind out on the market right now, the 2x4. Uh, they've done a lot, a lot of great customizations. They've got pockets in the doors, a bunch of the frames beefed up. It's bigger, fits for full-grown men. Uh, that's the Lucky Duck 2x4. Predator hunting's going on right now. they got a predator call out. Field trial season's coming, dog boxes. They got everything. They're they're kind of a one-stop shop over at Got a hell dog. of a dog box. Yeah. Yep. Built sturdy. 
Um, but yeah, they, they, they're a one-stop shop. They got spinners, they got turkey decoys out that I saw. So I'm gonna have to talk to Miss Haley Fox and get me a turkey decoy sent down here. They look good, but yeah, you're gonna need spinners. You're gonna need blinds. You're gonna need everything. You need to go to luckyduck.com and get everything that you're gonna need for not just this season, but everything that you're gonna need for the off season. Luckyduck.com. Also, we're brought to you by the Looking Glass Duck Club. Mr. Logan Pyatt of Langdon, Missouri, and the Looking Glass Duck Club sponsor this podcast. You can't get into the you can't get into the duck club. I know you wish you could, but you can get some sweet ass merchandise from the Looking Glass Duck Club. It's a gentleman. He's perched up. He's got a duck in his sights, and it's a rifle. So. Uh, it's a good-looking hoodie. He's also got a jacket out now. I don't think that's been released to the public yet, but it's a good-looking jacket. Got some coolers on the way. Do you have one of these jackets yet? I've got one of these jackets. I've got the cooler, and I've also got the other little goodie you that just, he's got. Listen, did, did you get some steaks from Logan? Listen, I'm a man about town. Did, I did. Uh, you are supposed steaks. to give me some of those. Well, you can have your share. Uh, Logan is a man about town. He's a man about fashion, and uh, the Looking Glass Duck Club takes all these things very seriously. So you can message Logan if you're wanting one of these badass hoodies or anything else that he's got available right now at sky underscore jack underscore outfitters on Instagram. And you can uh, you can get this hoodie, jacket, or uh, cooler. Looks really nice. We're also brought to you by William and Chris Wines. Texas wine. Homo, great wine. Homo skeleton key wine. That's right. Great Great wine. You can get it at Central Food Whole Market. You can also go to their website, williamchriswines.com, and they'll ship it to you. But you need you a nice wine, williamchriswines.com. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Take it away, Jeff. Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, Knox City, Texas. Over 25 years in the business. If you want to put someone on that turkey, you want to shoot a deer, a hog, dove, quail, duck, pheasant, it doesn't matter. We can do it all. Stanfield Hunting Outfitters at stanfieldhunting.com, or you can call us at 940-658-3172. And, yes, I do answer my own phone. So, anyways, holler us at stanfieldhunting.com, proud sponsors of the Big Honker Podcast, live from the Big Honker Lodge. <clears throat> and on this episode of the podcast, we're joined by living legend, Mr. Tom Orr from the hit show Mountain Men on the History Channel. He's a he's a he's an inspiration to people everywhere. I mean, this guy is making a living off the land. He's living off the land, living his entire life off of what Mother Nature gives him. He's an inspiration, and he's an incredible, incredible person. We need more people like him uh, in the world today. So, anyway, here he is, Tom Orr. Here we go. Three, two, one. Boom. And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. And I'm Andy Shaver. And on the line with us today, we have a real treat. A real American. The kind of man that was that's rugged and was 
has made history and made America what it, what it is today. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tom Orr from the Mountain Men. How are you doing, Tom? Good. How are you guys doing today? Good. Is it cold up there today? No, it's it's not really. It's about 30 degrees. Uh, the sun's shining, and we've got about 15 inches of snow on the ground. Ooh, is that a lot for this time of year or not much? It isn't very much. Normally, by this time of year, we'll have a little bit more snow than what we've got this year. So now, are you out trapping right now, or is that season over? No, uh, the trapping season is still going. For for certain animals, the, the water season is still open, like for muskrat and beaver and mink. But uh, lots of the other seasons have closed already. Now, now do y'all have links up there, or is that too far south? Links, did you say? Yes, sir. Yeah, we we do have some links up here, and uh, of course they're they're on the threatened species list. I think is what they call it. So we we can't trap any links, and and the state has set us up and with quite a deal too. Like like uh, any of our traps that we set for bobcat. Uh, can't really be set up for links, so it's it's kind of a crazy deal. But but they've got it, so uh, they don't want us to catch any bobcats and killer traps. Uh, they want to if we catch anything at all that might be a lynx, they want it caught in a foot trap so we can turn it loose again and won't hurt it. Okay, now I got to ask a question: How the hell do you turn a lynx loose out of a trap? That, that can't be easy. Well, it, it isn't. It isn't super, <laughs> it's a super hard. I've never had to turn a lynx loose, but I've I've turned quite a few bobcats loose, and it's it's quite easy with what they call a a noose pole, which is about a four foot hollow rod with a with a cable noose that you can put it around their neck and and actually you can pin them right to the ground with the, with the stick and take the trap off. I've I've, I've done it by myself several times. I'm assuming they're pretty pissed off during this whole process. Well, yeah, but but with that noose pole on their neck, they're they're under control. I mean, you know, you, you you've got them. Then you know, the, the letting them out of that noose thing is what I would be nervous about. <laughs> <laughs> is is it all kind of one one quick motion whenever you let them out of the out of the noose, or how do you do it? Well, you about have to put the, get the noose around their neck and then then pin them down, depending on uh, if they're caught by front foot or hind foot or whatever the situation is. So, and, uh, but it, it's 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 relatively simple. I've never tried to turn a a wolverine loose or a bear loose or anything. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we've we've turned otter loose before that we've caught, you know. And like like the seasons closed on them, if you accidentally catch one in a beaver trap, you need to be able to turn them loose. And the noose noose pole is the thing to have. What? How how did you become? How did you get on Mountain Men? How did that all work? Uh, actually, uh, it 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 came through Tim Lenahan, who was a uh, he's the outfitter up here in the valley, and. Uh, he was at one time he was on Trout Unlimited, 
and he became friends with a cameraman who in later times had quit had quit the guy he was working for and had started his own production company, which is Warm Springs Productions. And uh, Chris heard that that the History Channel was interested in doing a mountain man-themed uh, show, a modern-day man that makes a living off the land. And uh, Kim had often told him about the weirdo that lives up the road that doesn't. <laughs> so, so actually, he gave Richie my phone number, and Richie called me up and and told me he was doing a television thing and wondered if I'd be interested in it. And, and this was in January, and he came up. He brought a cameraman, and they came up and they shot what they call a sizzle reel, which was they followed me around on the trap line all day. And they filmed me doing and interviews and things like that, and then they made it into a, a seven-minute uh, sizzle reel, I think they call it, and they sent it into into the History Channel, and and that's that's how it all started. Were they just in the way basically that whole day? How long did it take them to kind of figure out your nuances and and get out of your way and let you do what you do? Well, you know. The, this Warm Springs guys, the camera crew and all, are all kind of backwoodsmen. I mean, all these guys have filmed uh, big game hunts and stuff through the mountains and stuff. So so even the cameramen are, are pretty savvy. You know, I mean, they'll, they'll help you drag your deer out, wow. you know, when the cameras are down, you know. So... So, so overall, yeah, it was a good, they're a good crew to work for, and and it, it isn't like they're a bunch of dumb city dudes carrying around mm-hmm. cameras. Like these guys know about the woods and stuff, so See, it that, works out pretty good. That's kind of what I had in my mind. Like you got a bunch of guys from California, from Hollywood, you know, and, and now all of a sudden they're going to follow this this rugged, yeah, most, rugged most, mountain man around. All the cameramen live in the state of Montana that film me. Well, and you know they have they kind of they have a deeper appreciation, kind of like you do, for for the outdoors and wildlife and stuff. And they can guys that know what they're looking for can make a much better product than you know just some kid that has you know yeah. no idea. I know you're right because they're they're always looking for the good things, you know, in in their filming. Now, you haven't always you didn't grow up in Montana, did you? No, I, I grew up in the Midwest. How did, I've watched just recently. You did you skinned out an animal and you used. Is it called brain staining? Is that what it's called? Brain tanning. Yeah, I, I do some brain tanning. Actually, <coughs> brain tanning is a is a primitive way that the Native Americans tanned hides before the white man came, uh, and it was done with animal brain and. Uh, it's a very unique tan, and no matter how they try it in modern days, they just can't do it commercially. So you you take it. I, I saw when you you killed a coyote. You had some coyotes that you had had, and you and you pulled them out and you mix the brain. Is it just the brain fluid that you're using, or do you mix anything with it? Uh, you mix brains in with water is all that it is. Just water and brain, and then you pasted it on like it was a paint or a varnish or something, 
help yep. them. It, it, it has to penetrate all the way through the skin. You have to get the brains to penetrate all the way to the hair roots on the other side. If you're going to leave the hair on like you would with when I did the coyotes, of course, you leave the hair on them. So the brains are all pushed in from the flesh side of the skin. So and it's, it's a real unique way of tanning, and, and uh, with a, like you can you can take brain tanned brain tanned deer skins and make clothing out of them, and you can take commercial tanned deer skins and make clothing out of it, and the commercial skins are like wearing a plastic bag over your body. Mm. The, the leather doesn't breathe. Where, where good brain tan, you can hold the leather to your lips and you can actually blow through it like you could cloth. And so it was up. It was warm to wear in winter and cool to wear in the summer because of that evaporation through the hide. Now, now, do you have to use the brain from the animal that it came from, or will any brain? Oh, any brain seems to work. Okay, I didn't know if you had to have the brain for that animal or not. No, it it, it doesn't seem to matter at all. How long um, does this process take? Well, like to do a deer skin, it takes about about fifteen hours of work, but it, it's it's usually, usually stretched over at least a twenty four hour period that you can do one in. I watched another episode where you. Uh, and I can't remember what happened. I think it was a bear hide or a moose hide, maybe that you were gonna or an elk hide. Then you used you used smoke. Yeah, that's the that's the finishing process to brain tanning skins. Uh, like after after the hides have been tanned with the brains, you put them through a smoking process that puts smoke into the leather. Actually, actually, when the leather is first tanned, it's pure white. It comes out pure white from the brains. And then you put it through a smoking process, which gives the hides a yellow or brown color to them. And the, the neatest thing about the smoking, after you smoke brain-tanned hides, you can wash them. Really? Yeah, and you can't take commercial tanned hides and wash them. But like, I've got I've got a thirty year old elk hide shirt that's softer and nicer now than it was when it was first made thirty years ago. Wow! So basically, it's been washed bunches and bunches. And the uh, the, there's this. I mean, that's the. Brain tan is what what Daniel Boone wore. You know, it was what all the backwoodsmen wore. And it's warm in the winter, and it's cool in the summer. Yeah, because because the leather itself will breathe. Like I said before, you can actually hold brain tan to your lips, and you can blow through it, like like a cotton chamois cloth, where you can't do that with with commercial tanned deer skin. So basically, that's like the first. You know, first Under Armour was basically just brain tan leather. It's it's kind of yep. it's good for everything. Yep, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, 
Revolutionary War bridges were all uh, brain pan bridges, all handmade. You can imagine Philip putting an army in brain pan bridges. Now, a, yeah. a lot of times you're in the woods. How often do you run into a grizzly bear? Not very often at all. More uh, black bears or any bears at all? Well, yeah, we've got quite a few black bears around. Uh, and we, we have quite a few grizzlies, too. The most grizzlies I've seen have been here in the yard. Uh, they're, they're, they're real secretives, the grizzlies are. Uh, uh, and if you're making any noise when you're traveling through the woods, apparently they just get out of your way and, and leave because I've, I've never had any any big problem with the grizzly bears up here. Other than when they come to my house, I've we had them break in. I, I raised some racing pigeons, and some years ago we had them break into the pigeon house and kill a bunch of pigeons. Mm. And uh, but that was that happened to be a bad bear. He had the same bear had been going around uh, people's places and killing their chickens. <laughs> and so uh, eventually, the fishing game caught up with him and, and put him under and got him out of the way. But, uh, that's the bad thing. Most most of the grizzlies up here are very wild and and. Very seldom do we even see them up here, which is which is a good thing. Do they eat but very like, good? Like we can't we can't put out wolf traps. Our our wolf trapping season doesn't open until the fifteenth of December, so we can't put out wolf traps until the fifteenth of December. And by then, the ground's all covered with snow. The the dirt's all frozen. It's hard to hard to trap in the in the dead of winter like that but the reason they won't let us set our traps is because by the 15th of december they figure all the grizzly bears are in hibernation and grizzly bears would be easy to catch compared to wolves so how so well it's just because it'd be easier to fool wolves are about the hardest thing in, in the all these woods to get them to put their foot inside of a trap where, where grizzlies, they can be trapped pretty easy. I mean, you can catch them if you set traps for grizzlies. They, that's, that, that's what they do up here. Lots of the grizzly bears up here have been been caught before for, by the Fish and Wildlife Service, and they put uh, uh, collars on them so they can follow them and find out where they're going and what they're doing but the wolf, that's the hardest thing to catch in the woods. The wolf. It's the hardest, yep, you bet. It's the hardest thing in North America to uh, get in a trap. <laughs> you could ask a lot of people about that. <laughs> what does a full-grown wolf weigh? What's that? What do they weigh? Yes, sir. Well, the, the biggest one I ever caught was uh, 106 pounds. Whew, that's a big uh, dog. But uh, Sean McPhee, the kid that helps me trap, uh, uh, he takes hunters out wolf wolf hunting, and he works for Linehan Outfitting, and he'll take wolf hunters out. And I know two years ago, they killed the second biggest wolf that had been killed in Montana 
since you were allowed to kill wolves again, which was about eight years ago. And they opened the season here on wolves about eight years ago because there's so many wolves that, that have repopulated the area. And and the wolf that, that Sean's hunter uh, killed was, hundred I think, 138 pounds. And it was the second biggest one killed since they started the opening the new season on them. What uh, do you think that was a good? Do you think that was a good move to open it back up for for wolf hunting? Well, yeah, it, yeah. things yeah. were as bad as they said it was. In some places, it's really bad. Yeah, they need In to take places, more of them away. Some places they've they've killed everything off, and and up here we're having a big problem with with the moose. Uh, this is one of the biggest areas in the state that that have moose. And uh, the, the wolves, that's one of the animals that the wolves love to kill is the moose. And uh, and they're relatively easy for a, a pack to take down, too. Just so, like, our, our moose population is, is slowly dwindling. And the, one of the problems up here, there's hardly any trappers up here that trap wolves. And about the only way you can you can harvest wolves up here is is by hunting. And the country we live in up here is so full of trees and brush and stuff. Like you hardly even need a telescopic sight on your rifle because usually the shots you're getting up here are within a hundred yards. Mm-hmm. And it's real hard to get within a hundred yards of a wolf. <laughs> I mean, they've got all the senses and the uh, that it takes to, to not be caught up by people, you know. Well, and most of the, do you see a, a lone wolf very often? Aren't most of the time they're in packs? So not only are you having to try try to fool one wolf, you're trying to you're trying to fool a whole bunch of them. Yeah, and and they're usually in packs. I mean, they're although sometimes you'll find singles too. I mean, even those packs, what they seem to do lots of times, like when they're hunting a pack will spread out two, three hundred yards apart and they'll move across a mountainside or something like in a big line, just just hunting, pushing for something that would be easy to catch. Right. And, so, uh, and it, it's pretty strange because they'll talk back and forth while they're moving, so it seems like like every, every wolf knows where the rest of them are, you know? It's amazing to watch them work and and like you said, you know, talk back and forth. I've never seen it in person, but just the the way that they communicate and the hierarchy that they have, you yeah, know, with with the alphas and all everything underneath it. It's fascinating to watch in in motion. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing, really. And it's neat to have the wolves. Like like we moved here, I don't know, forty years ago or so, and and. There was always some wolves up here. Even when we moved here, I'd see their tracks on the trap line and stuff. But, of course, they were protected then, you know, real heavily protected. And and, and since then, they've uh, the Fish and Wildlife Service has imported wolves, and they've, they've turned them loose in different places around the state, too. So, so now it seems like... It seems like it was maybe a mistake or something in so many ways, but yet it's it's really neat to to have wolves around. I mean, 
I'm 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 glad that I'm glad that there's wolves, but I'm glad that there's an open season on them to where I could trap them and people can hunt them because they they need to be managed. It's just if they get overpopulated and we won't have anything left and then and then they'll leave too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's exactly right. So what all do you have to do to catch a wolf on a on a trap line? What steps do you have to take to make sure that this wolf is tricked? Well, one of the biggest things that you have to do before you can even start is in the state of Montana you have to go to a to a fish and game uh wolf trapping class. And and they certify trappers to trap wolves. So, <clears throat> and they have classes that are taught by by real wolf trappers, guys that have trapped lots of wolves, mostly uh, state trappers and federal trappers. And they put on these wolf wolf trapping seminars, like, and they teach people how to do it. They they tell you how to do it, show you how to do it, and. And then there's also restrictions on traps. Uh, they want every trap to have a have a ten foot chain and five different swivels in the chain, so the wolf can't get all tangled up and uh, and uh, the uh, to keep from having foot damage. Mm-hmm. And it's it's pretty amazing. They've the traps that. Uh, are legal to use for wolves are very humane. So, to the nuts and bolts of it, what uh, what do you do? You how do you how do you you know cover your scent and, and all that and all that stuff? How do you do it? Well, my my traps and and chains and all are are dipped in a in a uh, an odor proofing stuff that puts like a sealant. Over them to keep the traps from smelling like steel, um, because because we can't trap when the ground is thawed out. Uh, these traps that I use, you have to dig down underneath the snow and get down to the frozen dirt, and then you chop a place out of the dirt where your trap goes, and your trap is actually set down in this. This little pit that's chipped out—it's the same shape as your trap, and a little bigger. And then I cover my my traps with a waxed dirt, which is dirt that's been heated, and I treat it with with melted wax and mix it all up so this dirt won't freeze. Mm-hmm. And so the traps are bedded in this in this. Uh, the wax dirt that, that won't freeze, and, and that's the big thing about that. And, and usually, when I set wolf traps, I'll usually set several different sets in a in a close area because of the chance that usually wolves are traveling in a pack, and there's there's a chance of catching more wolves with just one. You know, if you set more traps in a in a close area than than not. So, but I haven't been very successful for the last couple of years. I haven't caught a lot. <laughs> so what's uh, so it's a very very low percentage of of 
actually being successful, pulling up to the, do you almost expect that, you know, you walk up to the wood and you've been defeated so many times. Are you almost kind of to the point where you're just like, ah, eh, there's probably not going to be anything here. Well, you know, what the big thing is, is these wolves, in this valley that we live in, which is only about 50 miles long, the fishing game say we've got five packs of wolves in this valley here. Well, all five packs don't live right down here in the valley, but they probably go off in 100-mile circles out away from this valley. So... There's no telling when you set a wolf trap when the next time a wolf is going to happen to walk by that spot close enough to smell it and be attracted to it. You know, it's a, because they're such big travelers, they're just hard to catch. They don't. They they'll stay in like they kill an elk. They'll stay there for two or three days until they eat it all up and and lay around and get hungry again, and then off they're gone and they're. They probably won't come back through there for maybe a week or two weeks. Or who knows? And maybe never. What What's the animal you trap the most? Is it beavers? Oh yeah, the water animals. I'm mostly mostly been trapping beavers. Yeah. Is there good money in beavers these days? No, there isn't. I mean, not for the average trapper. <laughs> there isn't. You can hardly make a living at it. There's beaver all over the country because. They're worth so little. The furs are worth so little that that you can't make a living trapping them very easy. So most of the people that are trapping beaver now are trapping what they call nuisance beaver, which are beaver that's flooding somebody's pasture or basement or driveway or, or something, cutting down fruit trees and that sort of thing because... The fur price is so low, and the, the beaver population is so high because of it. Well, I watched one of the new shows, and you 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 got a porcupine. Uh huh. Now there was pretty good money in the porcupine, right? Well, there is. I mean, when you come right down to it, uh, the the long hair on a porcupine is worth twelve dollars an ounce or something like that. You know, their their claws are worth something. Their the the quills the quills are worth quite a bit if they're sorted to size and if they're if they're dyed so they can be used. I mean porcupine quill work was a Native American thing that the Native Americans used before white men came along with glass beads. So Native Americans have always used porcupine quill mostly for decoration on clothing and stuff which were and sewed onto their clothing. It's, it's a pretty miraculous thing when you think about porcupine work. How long but does the, it take you to, to flesh out a porcupine, take the hide off? Oh, it, it doesn't really take very long if you just, once you get the incisions made so that you can you can pull it off. But you gotta be careful. You're gonna get poked if you're if you skin one. <laughs> it's just gonna happen. You just gotta it's gonna happen. Not if yeah, it's gonna happen. It's, 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 it's how how hard you get poked. <laughs> <laughs> or how often maybe too, I don't know. And it, it's amazing the the money that is in some animals like like with the beaver now 
I make a lot of money off of a beaver compared to what anybody else does. One thing, because I'm on this mountain man show. Right. And and I can sell the tan furs for, for three times what other people could sell them for. And, 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 and I carry the beavers on farther. I mean, I skin out the beaver tails, and out of a beaver tail, I can make two beaver tail knife sheaths, which which I sell for a couple hundred bucks worth of knives. Mm-hmm. And then then there's the the lower of the beaver also that can be sawed out, smoothed over, covered with buckskin, and made into a really neat kind of necklace of that. Your old lady can wear around her neck if she's got enough nerve. <laughs> <laughs> now talk about, talk about your knives because I've seen you 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 make knives out of rock, right? Well, actually, actually, uh, dear Antler. no. Uh, Bob Bob Gray makes the blades for me, and he's a he's a a, a napper, what they call a, a person that really can work that stone, and he makes all the blades. And we put them in into deer antler handles, and uh, then Nancy Nancy has used the buffalo that I killed on television uh, two or three years ago. I killed a buffalo on TV, and I tanned the buffalo hide. And Nancy's been making knife sheaths out of the out of the brain tan buffalo hide that I did from two years ago. There's, you're still getting still getting mileage out of it, huh? Yeah, we're almost out. We've almost gone through it. Although I, I just, I got another buffalo this this fall too. So. so what what do you get on your knives that you sell with the beer? The the flint bladed knives they, they cost two hundred and fifty dollars. And how can people if they want to buy one? Where do they get a hold of you to get one? They just gotta call us up and order it. Because those are pretty knives. Those I saw. Yeah, the, I well, saw they're them. very unique, and and the, probably the neatest thing about them is that they really work. I mean, I don't know. I use them for skin. I, I've got all kinds of steel knives. That lots of times I'll use them stone knives for skin, and they'll they'll cut the meat layers off loose from the skin without cutting holes in the hide like a steel knife will. Right. Takes it takes a little longer to skin out an animal with a stone knife, but when you're all done there are no accidental knife holes put in the hide, which is important to a guy like me if he's gonna tan hides. That's one more hole that he won't have to sew. <laughs> so <laughs> In your estimation, what do you think the best tasting animal is up there? Is it is it the moose or the buffalo, or is it something else? Well, my my favorite is has been bighorn sheep. Bighorn sheep. Yep. About oh hell, it's been fifteen years ago now. I I got a a, a, a license for a a bighorn you. Uh, Thirty years it's been, yeah, wow, yeah. Thirty years ago, I got <laughs> to kill a a ewe bighorn, and which I accomplished, and and it, it was the best of 
And, and, and it was a seven-year-old you. I mean, it wasn't no young one either, but it was, it was a lot of meat there, a lot more than a, than a big white tail. Do you, do you shoot a moose or an elk every year up there? No, no. Uh, uh, in fact, I've never killed a moose because I've never been lucky enough to get a moose license. That's the best eating animal I've ever had. Yeah, the moose, the moose is, is real good to eat. I've, I've eaten some of the moose from this country, but I've never been able to actually hunt one myself. So I've never, never drawn a license for one. What about a mountain lion? Have you shot or ate one of those? Yep, I've killed. I've killed seven mountain lions. All from your trap? Have you trapped them, or, or did you just catch them? Uh, no, uh, uh, most of them, or at least half of them, I, I killed with my primitive bow. Wow! Uh, oh, that was that was tree. And all these lions that I have killed have all been treed with dogs. Oh, okay. So it's it's shooting them out of a tree. Now I've heard they eat good. Is that true, or do you know? Yeah, they eat pretty good. They're a little tough. That's why I've always heard. I heard that the Indians loved them. Yeah, they're they're a little chewy, but they're the other white meat. Mm, I don't. Uh, I don't yeah, my lion is real white meat, and and like I say, it's it's. It's got a good flavor to it, but it's chewy. It's the best thing I ever done with it is made jerky out of it. Makes uh, real good jerky. Mountain lion jerky. Mountain Never even heard jerky. of that. Yeah. Try anything, I guess. What fascinates yeah. me is that this great big mountain lion is scared of a, of a dog. And yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, but sometimes they're not. I mean, <laughs> the biggest lion ever. Ever, I skinned a lion for some people one time. So it treed this. It must have been a 225-pound lion. Gosh, almighty. my goodness! <laughs> they treated it with a six-month-old hound that had never even seen a lion before. Wow! So that was pretty sexy. So it could be done, but yet, if if they catch a if a, if the dogs catch a lion on the ground, it could be pretty bad on your dogs. Yeah. That's that's a big animal, two hundred and twenty five pound lion. Gosh. Yeah, it was like it was like I skinned it out for the people and it was like skinning an African lion, you know, not <laughs> wow. like a mountain you know. My goodness. I couldn't even imagine working around something that big, just you know, just the time and effort that it would take to get this. What does the average mountain lion weigh? Oh, uh, probably hundred and twenty. Hundred and twenty. So this was a hundred pounds, almost double the size. Wow. It's a big cat. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't could I couldn't do that. So, <laughs> so th- this weekend you're going to a hunting show or a, 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 some kind of trade show, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Are you making a presence and signing autographs, or are you selling your wares? Yeah, there? I'll, I'll be signing autographs there, I guess. And Fisherville, Virginia. You're a big star. I don't think you re- after talking to you and your wife the first time. I don't think you realize how big a big star you are. I guess I don't. <laughs> it makes me wonder why all this is happening. Yeah. Hey, you're you're interesting, and there's not a lot of people like you left. Do you get do you get everywhere you go? People notice you in airports and everything now. Yeah, usually. usually. Oh well, I don't change much. You know, I don't. I don't ever put on sunglasses or the ball hat. You know, I always wear the same clothes that I wear when I'm on TV or when I'm living. You know. Do you ever wish that you could go somewhere and not be recognized? Well, yeah. Well, you know, it's 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 pretty amazing 
last year we had probably 300 people that come to our house that found us. You're come kidding. To, Just straight yeah. straight to your door. See, I don't think yeah, I would and, like that. And we live up here in the woods. I mean, you got to be coming <laughs> to see Old Tom Moore if you're coming, you know. Are you? It, it amazes me that people would would do that, you know, to go through all that trouble. I mean, I mean, this is what I've always just done for a living, you know, and nobody's ever got all shook up about it, <laughs> except maybe Ma, you know. <laughs> That's basically one person a day comes and searches you out. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, and it's all in the summer. It's oh, all, it's, my goodness. We don't have very many people that come here in the wintertime. It's usually people when they're on vacation and stuff in the summertime. But, Wintertime, it's all film crew, you know. Or are they spending money with you when they come? Are they buying stuff from you? Oh, they would if we have anything to sell. Uh, it's it's real hard to to have anything to sell. It's just to keep up with it. I mean, you know, we we made things to sell for for years. I mean, that's how we made our living up here for years, and we were always starving artists, you know. And now there's there's no way to keep up with it. Although hell, we're getting so old now, we don't want to keep up with it. <laughs> How old are you now, Tom? Well, I'll be I'll be seventy seven next month. Wow! And still and still doing what you love. You've had a good life. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what life's supposed to be about. And if if by the time you're seventy seven, if you're not doing what you like, you better you better change your mind or something. In a hurry, too, huh? So, yeah, really, huh? <laughs> so you were a rodeo, were you a, you a, a, bull, a bronc rider at one time? Yeah, a bronc rider and bull rider. Yeah. And a bull rider. Yeah. What's well, more scary, riding a bull or being in the woods with a grizzly bear? Oh, I don't know. None of them bothered me very much. It oh. doesn't bother me. To, I mean, I'm not afraid of bears. I mean, if I go for a walk in the woods, I never carry a, a gun to protect me from a bear. You know, I mean, like, I feel like I should be closer to a gun when I go to town than when I'm out in the woods. <laughs> I can see that. You know, I mean, when I'm hunting, well, sure, you're carrying a gun when you're hunting, but, like, I spend a lot of time running around on my trap line and stuff, and, and I never carry a gun on my trap line. I mean, there's maybe one in the pickup or something, you know. Or, I, I noticed that. I was watching one of the shows, and you were running a trap line, and I thought, surely he's got a gun with him. Because you thought yeah, I don't usually carry a gun. Uh, do, do the camera guys get nervous? No, they don't seem to. They're like I say, they're pretty used. And really, it's about the only time I'd ever ever use a gun. Like when I'm trapping, like like I'll have a gun in my truck when I'm out checking my wolf traps. You know, in case I get a wolf, because I yeah. I usually usually shoot them in the heart uh, with a uh, 25 caliber bullet. So what, what was more difficult for you was, did you enjoy bull riding more or riding Bronx? Well, what were you better at? Maybe I should phrase it, phrase it, phrase it. Differently. I, was, I was probably a Bronx rider than a bull rider. Although I, you can only ride bulls for so long. And I, I quit riding bulls probably when I was 30. But still, I kept riding. I, I rode Bronx till I was forty-one. Wow! Any major injuries from from your time doing that? I'm sure no, you got a, uh, not a no. not a one. 
That's amazing. I've, I, I've had both knees operated on for broken knee cartilages, but I've never had I've never had a broken leg or a broken arm. I broke I broke a rib once. I broke my broke my skull. I don't know how many times. Quite a few times, I guess. Your skull? All from Bronco? My skull, yeah. All from the rodeo? Yeah, from concussions and hitting on your head. Mm. Mm. Everybody wears helmets now. Yep. Yep. See, I don't know about that. You know, I there's something about when you see a cow when you see a guy in the, in the shoot and he's just got a cowboy hat on. You you you, yep. you think yep. he's a little tougher maybe than the guy that's wearing the helmet. Or, or dumber. Or dumber. Or yeah, not as smart. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I I'd go know. around. Yeah, but, but it's, it seems strange too because I mean, like like when I rodeoed, it was I mean they wouldn't let you wear a helmet. Right. Yeah. You know, when I was rodeoing, I mean, you had to be dressed in cowboy attire, you know, no short sleeve shirts or, you know. Could you even I wear mean, a vest back then? Now they've what's got that? The, could you even wear a vest back then? Like now they have these Kevlar vests that these cowboys suit up. Yeah, in. I don't know. We used to wear vests when, when I was rodeoing, but they were made out of silk. And I always told people it made the bull's foot slide off faster. (laughs) I was was wonderfully lucky for for the hundreds of bulls and broncs that I rode to have never gotten hurt more than what I did. Now, let me ask you this, because these cowboys around here, every one of them wears silk in the wintertime around their neck. And I, we make a living in cold weather hunting ducks and geese, and I'm not putting any silk on. I'm going to put on, you know, wool or something like that. And I just, you see these cowboys at the diner, and they've all got a silk handkerchief yeah. around their neck. And I'm like, that can't be serving any purpose. It's silk. Uh, you've got to try it, I guess. I, they make, they make make silk underwear. I, I mean, silk long johns. I had a pair of them once, and they were warm. Really? Yeah. Well, but, you, but you're not putting a silk handkerchief around your neck in the dead of winter. You're putting something a little bit more beefy on. Well, I, yeah, I've got a beard. I don't have to worry about stuff on my neck. Besides up here, the wind don't blow in the wintertime. So well, it does in pretty. Texas. Do, uh, do you know any of the other cast members from the show? Do you ever get, y'all ever get together? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, I've met Marty and and Rich Lewis and and Charlie. He was on the show for a year or so, and and I was I was really probably pretty good friends with with uh, uh, what's his name in New Mexico. So you uh. But but you you grew up in in the plains. What when did you finally make the move to Montana? Oh, kind of kind of when I quit rodeoing. Had you been there before? What what made you pick Montana? Well, for quite a few years in the summertime, uh, I'd take off and come to Montana rodeoing out here in Montana, and just kind of fell in love with the country and. And knew I didn't want to stay in the Midwest forever. Yeah. And my time on the rodeo thing, like I was 35, I was getting up there to be still rodeoing and stuff. So 
And Nancy was 30, and we decided to move to Montana. We'd been out here rodeoing and fell in love with the country and, and actually kind of through that found a, a place to live in this part of the country and and did that. That's how how that all happened. Is it is that area y'all live in now been invaded by everybody from California and the West Coast moving out there? Uh, there's there's been quite a few people that have moved up here, but you know it's it's a hundred mile round trip to town. Ah, that that keeps her back. That really makes it amazing the people that come up there. So they just drive in your driveway and come knock on your door. Well, most people that that come to actually visit us, most of them will call us up first, and and at least make sure we're going to be home, you know. And and some people will call two months before they get here, you know, and say, "Hey, we're planning on coming. Could we possibly meet you?" That sort of. Have you had any weirdos yet come to your door? Well, you know, not really. That's what I thought too. I thought <laughs> I thought pretty soon we'll have pet up people here. Yeah, uh, anti meat eaters and all that. But every everybody, it seems like everybody that's ever been here has been a fan. You, that's good. That show we, is going to attract regular people. That's not going to yeah. be a bunch of liberal left wing people that are watching Mountain Men. I don't think. Well, and yeah. let's not kid ourselves here. Those. those the PETA people, like they're they're not going to get that far out of the city to come harass you. That's a long way for them to go. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. if you're doing something downtown, you might run into one or two of them, but they're not going to go all the way out there. Plus, they know yeah. you probably punch them right in the nose. <laughs> run them out. <laughs> so, wh- where all are you going to be besides Fisherville, Virginia? Where, where, what other upcoming places are you going to be? That's the only place I've, I've, I'm going to go. I okay. mean, I don't have any plans to go to any place else. Okay. And, and I'm not sure why I even decided to do this. <laughs> Maybe you'll somebody a favor. Last year, and these people were just so gracious and everything. And, you know. it, it it is it, it is amazing. So, where did you learn the ins and outs of this trapping game and the tanning and and all that? Did you did you grow well, up in this, or did you? Were no, you... it was it was mostly all self taught, really. And reading books and and meeting people and and just trying it out, you know. I've kind of always been a person that lived in the past, right? You know? So I've always been kind of interested in all these things. And primitive skills have always interested me too, and and the old way of life, you know. Yeah, I read a quote from you. It said that you th- you think you were born too late, about 150 yeah. years. <laughs> That's probably it. That's probably it. Yeah. What uh I mean the the advance you know your the way that you live life and the way that ninety nine percent of the rest of the world really I mean polar opposites. You know, everybody's connected to their phones all the time and, and you know, you're just living off of the land basically. <laughs> yeah, well, Lots of people can't do what I do. I guess no. You're no. very you're very patient, man. It noticed. takes a it takes a certain kind of person, probably. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's all kinds of opportunities in the world that a guy can jump on. You know, it all depends on what you want to get out of life. I guess. But, uh, well, it seems to me you've had a really really wonderful blessed life, and, and I have. I have. It's been beautiful, really. 
It, I mean, it really is. You're an inspiration. You've gotten to do, uh, you know, you've gotten to live live the life the, the way that you wanted to. And not a lot of people, are, a lot of people are, you know, listening to this and they're at a job that they hate and yeah. every day something, every day is a new set of, set of uh, and not that you don't have worries. Of course that you do, but, you know, it's just. They're stuck in traffic listening to they're this. They're stuck and you're in traffic in and Montana. you're in Montana. Yeah, yeah. I'm out checking my traps and they're off working for somebody. Now, are you done with the show? Is Tom off of the show, off of Mountain Men? No, no, they're still filming. Still going. Yeah, they'll be here next week. What's that schedule like? Do they they film a week at a time, or are they with you for however long it takes them? No, they come for like five days at a time. And and they they stay in Linehan's uh, cabins. Uh, Tim Linehan's outfitter up here has got some cabins that aren't often used in the wintertime like this. So yeah, they they get to stay in the cabins two miles down the road, okay. and uh, and they're here every day at, at nine o'clock. Nine o'clock in the morning. Tell them don't be coming here before nine o'clock in the morning. Now you. <laughs> That's what you told him. Don't come here before nine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got to get you got to get up and you got to take care of what needs to get taken care of. I understand. Yeah. I understand that. Tom, you're you're an inspiration to everybody, my friend, and uh, I'm you're a very very kind and very patient man, and uh, I think the world could take a lesson from you, and uh, you know just kind of get back to kind of get back to nature a little bit. Maybe unplug the phone here and there. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> hey, and like, uh, we've gotten like five telephone calls today from different people that said, are you going to Florida? I heard you hang up all your traps and you're, you and Nancy are moving to Florida. Well, that's not true at all. It's that's, all over that's Facebook. What it says. It's that's what it over. says on uh, on the internet. It says Tom's out. It says Tom's going to Florida where it's warm. Yeah, I, I can't imagine who whoever would have done that or where they even got that. That's from. why I asked when I called the other day if you were in Florida or in Montana. I thought you'd retired. <laughs> that's what a lot of people are apparently thinking, and I, I can't imagine who's who put that up on. Although, see, I don't, we don't even have a computer. I, mean, I don't even know what these computers are. <laughs> when you told me you didn't know what a podcast was, I thought, this guy is the real deal. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, we're still not sure what this is. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it, it's the new radio, basically. So, you know, with old radio, you had commercials and everything. This goes straight to people's smart devices, and, and they can listen to it at their leisure. So if they need to pause really? to take a phone call or whatever, you know, they can pick back right up where they are. It's 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 the, it's the new thing. It's the new thing. Huh? It's the new yes, thing. But I do. I, I, I pre- it's been an absolute pleasure getting to talk with you, and, uh, I mean, just, just the, the passion that you have for what you do. It's truly amazing. So keep uh, keep on. I'm glad you're not going to Florida, Tom. I'm glad to. Hey, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna call and order a knife this week from y'all. Can you ship them to me? Yep. Okay. Yep. I was I will be I will be calling you the next day or two to order a knife. I do appreciate right, it very buddy. much, Tom. Hey, thank you for being on the Big Honker Podcast. We appreciate it so much. God bless you and your wife, and keep on keeping on. All right, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Tom. Bye. Tom Orr. That's very, very interesting, man. 
He is the best part of that show, and I and I like some other characters on there, but he is he just class act. You just don't see guys like that no more. Mm-mm. I mean, he did not. He told me so. We don't have a computer. He said I don't even know what a pod. What is a podcast? And I explained to him. I thought, man, that, that he's the real deal, though. You know, there's a lot of guys there. To, I promise you, there the, for the TV show. Yeah, that's exactly. He's not. He's the real deal. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, interesting man. I appreciate him being on here. Big honor to have him on here with us. Um, one of my favorite interviews we've done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's a good guy. Good gentleman. Real patient. I couldn't. Uh, could you imagine? Okay, so you're you're basing your whole life on what you're able to trap, trap and to flesh out and to make into something, and, and yep. just you go to that trap and there's nothing in it. Nope. And it's it works all the time, doesn't it? Stuff. And it's, well, maybe tomorrow. But you know what? He he he. I'm sure they have a garden. No, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, is a sure. don't have nobody to jack with, no neighbors. Well, but can you evidently they do. Three hundred people. Three hundred people coming there just to come see them, knock on their door to see if that just that blows my mind. Yeah, I can't imagine doing that to somebody. No. And you said one a day. That puts it into perspective. Yeah. And they're not getting anybody. Six months out of the year. Yeah. So they're getting two people a day at. If you know that's and if it's three months a year, three three deal, they're getting ten people a day in those times. How would you get anything done? I, I don't know. I'd find a way to make some money off the deals. <laughs> what I'd be doing? <laughs> I'd put a turnstile out front and charge or something. I'd do. I mean, that's a lot of people. That is. Have you had anybody yet come to you? Just showed up at your house yet? No, thank God. Shows no. You, shows you how far down the road we are. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, but you think about it. There's a lot more people watch their show than listen to, to download our podcast. Well, yeah, a lot more. Or and it wouldn't we, be a TV show, right? No, but but we have people come in the door here that find us through right. the podcast, and they talk to us, and and that, and we've had a lot. We've had some different encounters with people that are they know everything about us. Mm-hmm. You imagine on a show with a million people a, day, a year, a week, look at watch. I don't know how much. I don't either. What would it be? I, I would assume probably a half million to a million people a week watch that show. We can look, but. That's that's what's crazy about that deal. To think about that, and to just have random people knock on your door. Tony would be a sex symbol if we had that kind of viewership. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It doesn't really say. I don't have time to go. Th- oh yeah, one point two million or average around three point one million. <clears throat> three million people a week watch that show. That's crazy. That's uh, well, that's that's old though. That's twenty fourteen. Still so, a bunch. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I'm assuming it's it's gone up since then. All right, on Wednesday, Prince Poachers, Charles Beatty. We will have him out on Friday in studio. In studio Wednesday, we'll be doing a deal with Charles Beatty, the Prince Poachers. Number two, if you've not listened to the first, if you're new to the podcast and you've not listened to it, it's our number one downloaded episode. It's the Prince of Poachers, Charles Beatty. Uh, it's a great listen. Um, have heard people from all over, everywhere has contacted me about this. This will be our second one. He's got a new book going to be coming out. He will be with us in studio at the Big Honker Lodge. So it'll be out on Thursday. So be looking for Prince of Poachers, episode number two. Anyways, thank y'all for listening. God bless y'all and have a wonderful day.